0: If you've ever wanted to get answers to frequently asked questions about this amazing non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary spendthrift trust, will you come to the right place? Well, I'm pretty sure you're not gonna. some of these answers are not going to be what you're expecting. Hi, my name is Don Thornton. I am your tax savings best friend because odds are you're overpaying on your taxes. And that's what I'm here for, to help you use this trust to significantly reduce the taxes that you're currently paying. I am also a real estate investor. For 21 years, I have been one of the leading short sale investors in the country. I flipped well over 3,500 properties in that period of time. And with success becomes the unfortunate burden of having to pay a lot of money in taxes, which I have certainly done in my career. Thankfully, I found this trust and now uh, my taxes are greatly reduced than what they were before. So let's get into your questions, okay? I often get asked, do I have to have insurance on the assets that I've sold into the trust, like vehicles, personal residence, real estate, anything that of value? Do they have to be insured? And my answer would be, well, yeah. I mean, if there's no difference between if the trust owns the property or the trust owns the asset and you owned it previously or you owned it in an entity, you had it insured then. You're going to want to ensure it with the trust now. Okay. Um, I often get asked from pe- uh, people say, okay, my child is, you know, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally challenged. There's some kind of disability. How does the trust work with that? It doesn't have to be a relative, it can be anybody in that situation that you want to be or have as a beneficiary. The trust basically can, call, can care for or pay for all the expenses of that type of beneficiary, as long as they're alive. That means food, it means clothing, it means anything at all that is a legitimate trust expense. And so you have money in the trust; their beneficiary, it can pay for everything. The only thing in this scenario that it cannot pay for is entertainment. Other than that, it's clear it can pay for anything. Again, for the life of that person doesn't not just minor children or minor beneficiaries but until they go to the great beyond they, they the trust can and will pay for their expenses i often get asked can a trust own another company and my quick answer to that is no it cannot own any other entity but it can own assets of that entity and that gets very important because Oftentimes, we have clients who want to sell their businesses. They don't want to pay capital gains on it. So we have them sell the assets of their company into the trust, and the trust sells it to the end buyer as an asset sale. And that way, the money comes in the trust, and because the trust special, you know, it can be in compliance with IRS Code 643B, all capital gains, the gains of capital, the sale of capital assets are excluded. Are not a capital gains tax event. Um, I often get asked, "What are some of the main trust expenses?" And I would tell, I would say it this way: It's probably easier to say what it can't pay for, but I'll go over some of the main things. It can pay for anything that has to do with any trust asset. So you have a trust asset. There. If you have, a, if you have a vehicle, for example, gas, oil changes, wind, change out your windshield wiper, rotate your tires, whatever. That uh, expense is for that asset the trust is going to pay for. As far as beneficiaries go, it can pay for a lot of them. So understand that, that it can't pay for what we call four things, We call the four Fs. We can't pay for food. It can't pay for fun or entertainment. It can't pay for fashion, clothing, and it can't pay for facelifts or elective surgery. But it can pay for almost everything else so you can pay for education and that that's not just for kids you could be 85 years old as a you know and, you're, and and you decide that you want to get some kind of education the trust can pay for that that's something that people don't understand It's any type of educational endeavor the trust can pay for as a trust expense anything having to do with health or wellness is a trust expense so think about that think about what has to do in your life with wellness or health now the trust can pay for that you know education health you know insurance things like that so there's a lot of things that can't pay for but the four Fs, just keep in mind the four F's food fashion fun and facelifts that's, that's a good idea of what uh, what you can you can pay for so um i often get asked well if i'm a part owner in a business how does that work with the trust well it's very simple what you want to do is, well, whether you own the your part of the business is owned by you personally or if another entity that you control is a partner, the best way to handle this is for the trust to take your place. If you're if you're, you know, have a one, a one member um, uh, LLC and you have a 35 percent control of a, of a multi-partner business, then what you want to do is take that LLC out and put the trust in. All right. Because why is that important? Because limited partnership profit sharing is considered passive income for this trust. And that means that will not be a taxable event when that money comes into your, your trust. All right. Um, sometimes I get asked by people who are not W-2 employees and they, they're they on 1099 status. How does the trust help them? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to change your life because. The biggest challenge that most 1099 people have is that they really don't have much in the way of expenses. So you know they're getting paid, whatever their tax bracket is, how much income is coming in, that's being taken by the IRS. And there's not much you can do to offset that. With the trust, it's amazing. So this is just a real brief scenario of how that would work. You'd want to have your 1099 be paid into an LLC. You make the trust a 90% limited member of the LLC, and then you sell your assets over to the trust. And so you may say, Don, I don't have any assets. They're all, you know, just me working. Well, whatever your whatever your expertise is, whatever you're doing, then write an operations manual. Okay, write steps. Make make your your uh, database. Put all that stuff together, and it doesn't have to be really complicated or don't, you don't have to be an author of something, but put it together, have it there. That can be sold over to the trust, excuse me, over to the trust, yes, as an asset. Now, the IRS will allow up to 70% of the assets of the, of the net income of the company, the previous year's net income, to be used as a lease payment. Now, you may not be able to get 70% just for the sale of intangible assets, but it can be something. something like that. So you're gonna be able to move that that percentage of money over to the trust as a lease expense. And then with the trust as a 90% limited member of your LLC, then at the end of the tax year, then you can move 90% of whatever your taxable income is over to the trust as a K1 distribution as limited partnership, profit sharing, and all that will be non, non, um, it's not a taxable event, and it's going to reduce your LLC's income down to very little. So you're just going to significantly lower your taxes on that. So I hear a lot of questions about IRAs and 10 or 4 to 1Ks. Can we move those into the trust? And my short my short answer is no. Unfortunately, it, these are qualified programs. If you want to move the money over to the trust, then you're going to get hit with any penalties, any taxes that are owed. Now what we can do, and you know it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it's possible. You can convert that those investments in your qualified programs, 401k, um, and your IRA into an annuity, and an annuity can work with a, with a with a life insurance policy with a with a uh, even a banking policy inside your trust. And you can move a lot of that money over there in a way you're not going to get killed on taxes. But you know, reach out to me and we can talk more about that because it's a little bit complicated. um I have, I'm often asked, "Hey, I trade stocks. What is that? You know, how does that work with uh, with the trust?" Well, that's amazing. I mean, first of all, I love people who can who can do well trade. You know, trading stocks and 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 being a trader is awesome. I know a lot of people have a lot of clients who are making a lot of money on that, and the trust is the answer of their dreams. So. You want the trust to have the trading account, not you personally, not an LLC, the trust. And the reason why you do that is because any investment income that comes in to the trust is not a taxable event. So now you're taking off all that all that uh, tax that you're, you have to figure into what your profit is. Now pretty much it's all profit. Now again, it has to be allocated to the to the trust, right? It has to stay in there, don't take distributions, but that money can stand there and it will not be a taxable event. Uh, I often get asked, why does my CPA or my attorney or both, why don't they know about this? It's like, well, you know what, what can I say in general, CPAs, attorneys, they really are regimented on what they know. They know what they know and it's what they do. If it's outside their scope, then they're not going to know about it. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of them don't know about trust and they don't know about this trust And I would say that's the biggest thing is because this is a non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary trust. So they hear oh it's a non-grantor so they think that okay well I know about these non-grantor trusts and what you're saying that you can do you can't do with this with a, with a, with, a, with a trust I'm familiar with or they'll say, well it's an irrevocable trust that's all well and good but I know these trusts and you can't do this and this what you're saying is not right no. It's non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary. It's all together. This is a separate type of trust that all the parts working together have it in compliance with IRS Code 643B, which allows the trust to do things that a regular trust could not and cannot do. They're not familiar with it, and if they're not familiar with it, their first instinct is basically to say, ooh, be careful, be careful, right? Well, they licensed, they should know and they don't know usually, okay? Or they misinterpret this because they just don't know about it. So that would be my short answer. That's why they don't really know about it. And that's why they tend to react negatively when they are introduced to it. And frankly, a lot of times they're worried about losing a client too. So don't, don't underestimate that factor either. Um, I often get asked, asked, how long can the trust exist? It can exist forever is, is obviously you're not gonna live forever, but the trust, they really theoretically can exist as long as it needs to. It just has to be renewed every 21 years. And when you're a trust client and you have your trust book, then there are uh, renewal renewal forms in there that you just ask trustee, whoever the trustee is, it's still you, hopefully, then you can just uh, get a notarized sign and say this has been renewed for another 21 years and it stays inside your trust book. Um, All right, so um, how can a trust trust help uh, W-2 employees? The short answer is not very much we do have a strategy that can help high level w2 employees if you're making five six seven hundred thousand dollars or more in w2 we can definitely help you we have a strategy that we use in concert with a charitable trust and our regular spend through a beneficial trust and i'm not going to go into great detail on that right now i have videos about that on my youtube channel you can certainly look them up but basically you can move a, you know, donate a lot of the of your W two money into the charitable trust that the charitable trust can use for investments, and and it's it's a whole thing. You can go in there and uh, watch that video. But yes, we can't we can't help W two employees. If you're making fifty to eight, you know, six seventy, eighty thousand dollars, it's probably not going to be worth it for you. Okay, um, how can I? I'm often asked how can I sell my assets to the trust if they have financed on them, like if I have a car has financing, or if I have a mortgage for real estate. Well, it's very simple. If it's real estate, you're going to have a deed, no matter what. That is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And uh, so you're going you're gonna, to the deed goes over. You have a bill of sale that nobody sees that stays inside your trust book. If any asset has financing, there's a third document that has to be uh, accompanied with this. It's called an assignment of note, and that basically means that the, the that the trust is obligated to make those payments. Okay. Uh, how does the trust deal with depreciation? Well, you don't need to worry about depreciation with this trust because remember, all rents and leases, all income that's coming in from your real property, for example, for your for investment properties, that's not a taxable event. And you're not when you sell the properties, you're not going to have any capital gains tax events. So taxation is pretty much out the window on this. So you don't need to take tax uh, uh, depreciation because you've already got the tax issues, the tax reduction strategy is already in place by having the trust. All right, so um, how do you open a trust bank account? It's very simple. When you get a trust from us, we give you a certification of trust and an EI number for the trust. So you can take that to a bank and open up a personal trust account. In my experience, Wells Fargo is the easiest to open that with, they'll take the certification the EIN number, and you're good. Most of the other banks are going to want to see your actual trust book. Some of them want to have it sent it to the legal department. And, it'll, you know, I've got one client right now who's waiting a week to get the trust book back from the legal department of her bank so she can just open up a bank account, which I think is ridiculous. So in my case, I just said, you know, I'm going with Wells Fargo, which is easier that way, but that's, that's how you do it. All right. Um, can a trustee, be a beneficiary at the same time? No. You can have a bit you can be a beneficiary, you can be a trustee, you cannot be both. Period. Uh, can I have can there be multiple trustees in the trust? Uh, yes, absolutely. You can have co-trustees, but this is a discretionary trust. So one person has to have total control of the trust. And in this case, if you decide you want to have co-trustees, one person has to have control and that would be the compliance overseer. So usually 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time in my experience with my clients, the compliance overseer and the trustee are the same person and just one person involved, not co-trustees. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what happens to the trust when I die? Well, uh, if you're smart, you already have your succession plan in place. So in your trust book, uh, you know, you have a section for uh, successor trustees. So what you do is you decide, OK, if I, when I go, if I'm being capacitated or I go unexpectedly or, or expectedly, then that person becomes trustee. So in my case, my wife is successor trustee. When I go, she takes my place. If by some horrible, horrible event that we go together, then I have that already contingency contingency in place and my daughter will become the trustee. All right. So uh, does the settlor have any power or liability when he or she sets up the trust because it's a non-grantor trust. I didn't set my trust up. I have a neighbor friend of mine do it for me. He used his social security number to get the EIN number for the trust. So we're often asked that question. Well, does that person have any power? Can that person steal my trust? No. And there's no liability for that person either that person i i my uh analogy is it's like a a drone in in a bee colony you know the male drones their only their only responsibility is to mate with the queen and then die so it's kind of the same thing with this the settler does his or her job and then they, when, the, when, when the trust is initially set up, you're named the initial trustee, that person's gone, no liability, they can't steal your trust either, okay? So you're good on that. Um, can any non-U.S. citizens have a trust? Yes. They just need to get an ITIN number, which is an International Tax Identification Number, and they can get a trust. It's no problem whatsoever. And then finally, I, I get this asked, asked a lot, people misunderstand and think that because this is an irrevocable trust, that they're not able to ever dissolve the trust. They can't. All the irrevocability, irrevocability just means that when you sell an asset into the trust, that it becomes trust property. And if you want to get it back, then the trust has to sell it back to you. It has to be a sell in, sell out. That's what it means. It does not mean that you can't dissolve the trust. Now, I don't know why you'd want to dissolve, dissolve the trust, but you certainly can. All right, so don't worry about that. I hope that some of these, uh, the answers these questions uh, worked out for you. Please always be here, uh, you know, watch my videos, my podcast, you know, all in my social media. I love having you here. And please, you know, leave me comments. If you have questions I haven't covered in this one, I'd be glad to do a part two. I want to make sure that you are educated so that way you can make a bright decision about whether this trust is for you or not. Thank you.